It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Ah, welcome, everybody, to a holiday weekend edition. We're all kind of recovering from our Fourth of Julys. And, uh, yeah, we're in the thick of it, trying to get all this together and the hubbub of the, the fun holidays running around like crazy people and trying to get stuff done when there's no time to do it. So, uh, yeah, it's a good time. We'll put it that way. So uh, we just cracked open. We're, we're starting off the show. We're going to have, we have a lot of beer to work through this week. Uh, so we, this week we have on the show Two Roads Brewing Company uh, from Stratford, Connecticut. We're talking to Brewmaster. Phil Markowski coming up in a little while. Sorry, I'm still getting adjusted here and all that. <laughs> uh, so we just cracked open a bottle of Old Factory Pills, some lovely Pilsner. It's a great way to start out looking at any brewery just to see what they're doing with the pills because it's, uh, it's a no frills, nothing to hide behind beer. So if you can do this one right, then you're setting yourself up for the rest of it all. It's the 4th of July weekend. You can't have a, a show start smoothly. There's got to be fireworks, whether you want them or not. Oh, well said. Well said. <laughs> so before we get into anything, let's jump into a little bit of beer news. Let's have a a small, a small amount this week. So uh, there's an interesting change going on. And Massachusetts has a similar system to us. They have the three-tier system. Now there's a, a pushback going on in Massachusetts now. They're trying to change it because right now it goes supplier to wholesaler to then to the stores and everything. It's similar to what we have here, but in Pennsylvania, some breweries are allowed to self-distribute. They do not have that in Massachusetts. So what they're trying to do is level the playing field. A lot of the smaller breweries are starting to have those... To have those even things going on. I didn't even get my phone turned off yet. <laughs> so uh, a lot of these breweries are starting to now, the smaller ones, push back to try to get it uh, eliminated that they're able to self-distribute. So that's what's going on now. So we'll see where that winds up going. Uh, also, in uh, da, 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 there's another, this is another interesting slash kind of disgusting one. Now, this is from, uh, <laughs> there's a man who uh, found, how does he put it, a marinating rat in his can of uh, Steel Reserve, which is usually known for high quality. Uh, two years ago, though, that's the interesting thing. He uh, found a rat two years ago in this. I think that would add flavor profile, maybe. <laughs> um, I could be wrong, but... Well, what he, he said was he got sick immediately, felt a, as he put it, a tingling on his lips <laughs> as he drank it, and noticed that it wasn't pouring correctly. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. And then uh, he wound up saying that he spent $49,000 in medical expenses, and now, two years later, is suing for $300,000 over mental anguish and uh, trying to recoup the cost of the medical things. What, what was he the name of never, the beer? Cash grab no, IPA? Or? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I'm like, you know, two years later. Okay, that's the whole thing. It's like, you're going to say two years later, like, what's your mental angle? I could never drink a 40 again. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, you, like, actually, you should, they, you should pay them. Yeah, like you're, like, you're winning. All right, I got over this. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's the big thing. It's two years on that he's going after this. So we'll see where that one winds up. I don't know. Uh, some of the new beers that are coming out now, uh, Stone just released their Ruin 10. They've uh, rebranded it as a triple IPA. It's just they, it was the 10th anniversary of their Ruination beer, uh, but as a triple IPA. Uh, so that, that just came out. And Anchor Brewing Company now has a double Liberty, their double IPA. So I'm interested in trying that one. That one's just hitting shelves now. And it's kind of already making its way around the Internet. Ballast Point just announced that this week they have released a beer called Calm Before the Storm. It's a cream ale with coffee and vanilla. So I'm very much looking forward to that because that seems like it's a, a variation in line with their Victory at Sea beer, which I, I really... It's a great, great, one of my favorite beers. So. And it was, um, what was it? I was looking at it yesterday. It was uh, like 5.5%. Yes, it's a lower. It really yeah, nice. it's, yeah it's, I mean, it'll be interesting. That's already, as soon as they announced that, that really went all over the internet. I started seeing that in a whole bunch of places, people talking about that one. So I'm sure that's going to take off, as most of their beers do, because Ballast Point is a brewery that really knows what they're doing. Uh, speaking of breweries, know what they're doing. As we said, we, we are having Two Roads Brewing Company on the show today, and we start out with their olfactory pills. It's a German pilsner, 5%. Uh, pilsners are a great you know, holiday weekend type beer. This is a summer beer. This is what most mass-produced beers fall in line with some type of pilsner. So this is a really good beer as a gateway to get into it uh, if you're coming out of it from a mass-produced beer standpoint. Yeah, and it's dry hop, too, so it brings an extra um, hop profile to it that you usually don't get from pilsner. Like, I didn't yeah. know that until... It's very aromatic. You yeah. get a lot of notes on it. It's really nice like, to have that because the pilsner is a style that I think is often overlooked by a lot of craft breweries because it's kind of like, well, you know, what are we going to do with it? And they kind of move on to 
to the IPAs because that's what's going out the door or their, you know, imperial barrel-aged insert blank, which, I mean, I love those beers, but I feel like some of the smaller ones, you know, like a Pilsner or a Cream Ale or some of these smaller beers are overlooked. And there's still so much that can be done with them. And this is a really good example of it. And as I said before, if you want to see the skills of a brewer, try their Pilsner or try their Pale Ale. Because that's where you're going to be able to see. If they can pull that off and do it well, then you know they can get really dial in everything else. Because not that anybody can brew a double IPA, or an, but there's styles that you get into that you can throw a ton of flavors into and hide any faults that you wouldn't necessarily know they're there unless you're a BJCP judge or something like that. Yeah, I mean, a bad beer is a bad beer, yeah. but you it, you can have a little bit of leeway when you're going with the bigger, um, robust flavors. When you have something small, you know, you really have to stay in line. Otherwise, uh, stuff can go sideways pretty damn quick. Oh, yeah. And when that goes sideways, I mean, especially... A Pilsner, I am very sensitive to that sulfury smell that some of them have. <laughs> and I, when I have it in there, it's like I get that, you know, some of them are, are meant to have that. It's a traditional type thing, but I'm not a fan. So I love when it's like really well attenuated and that that profile drops out because I just not a fan of that. And that that's off-putting to some people, too, that are getting into this because, you know, most of those mass-produced beers that are Pilsners are uh, not really uh, going to have that note to it so a lot of people aren't used to having that so that that really stands out to a lot of people too that even if they're getting into this they're used to pilsners totally different thing so we're working our way through because like i said we have a lot of beers from two roads <laughs> to try today so we're trying to, to jam all these in and be able to have our good interview with phil markowski which i'm looking forward to because phil really is a guy that has a history in this industry and uh, really, really well-known with, with a lot of different things. That's a, he's an author. You know, it's something that most of our uh, brewmasters we've talked to don't have under their belt, but he's an author as well. Um, but this is their No Limits Hefeweizen, another great summer-style beer, like a good Hefeweizen. And what's nice with this is it's, it's like a... There's a twist to it. And that's the one thing that's really cool with what Two Roads does is they really went after a lot of traditional styles but gave it a little twist and not a... Uh, you know, oh, we're gonna dry hop the crap out of it. It's just like a little slight, just to have a, a viewpoint on it instead of making it their own. Like you know, some breweries will take a style and make it into an IPA or make it into barrel aged. And but this is they still brewed a traditional style, but just put slight ingredient twist on it that just gave it a a slight flavor twist, but not overly into, you know, changing this the guidelines of the style or anything like that. Yeah, I love uh I love breweries that do that. There's a lot of breweries that either try to be so um, left field or try to say so kooky we'll kooky <laughs> or um, or so um, on the line try to duplicate yeah. to see somebody take a core style like uh, it seems like a lot of their stuff is based in Europe whether it be Germany or Belgium to take those styles and just add enough of a twist not to try to be different but just to bring in a, a new school uh, approach to it something a little bit American to separate themselves from uh, the old school. And what better way than to talk about that on 4th of July weekend? We're taking yeah. everything from all over the world and making it American. Yeah, America, <laughs> baby. That's what we do. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, this is just a really nice. You get some of those notes. The, they are really good in a half of ice on that, like, nice fruit aroma. But I like with this is, like, the really dry finish that it comes through on this. It's almost like a tartness to it, or like an apple tartness or something that it just seems a little bit... It gets like some of that like uh, Bavarian wheat, like that little slight sweetness, a little bit of banana type thing. It yeah. just, it's just really... It's so easy drinking, though, and I like that it has a dry finish because this is a style that, that can kind of become cloying, can kind of become a little too sweet if not really kept in check and really taken care of and cleaned up. And I like having this really dry finish because this is a beer, like this is a style of beer that I love having in the summer. Like a good heffy is so good in the summer and really light. This is also 5% ABV. Yeah, it's my. Uh, that's probably my go-to like backyard beer, my like barbecue beer. It's just a he old, you know, Hefeweizen. Yeah, no, they're they're, they're really good. Like, and that's a great style to have. I and mean, you see a lot of breweries uh, when they get into summer seasonals. That's one you see a lot of them tap into as being a summer seasonal. Some take on a wheat beer. Maybe it's not a half of Weizen. It could be an American wheat. But that the the wheat beer style is a really popular one in the summer because of those refreshing characteristics. And it's also one that, you know, has a lot of uh, citrus notes to them. Like they'll, they'll put those notes into it. And, you know, some breweries will tell you to put a slice of citrus on your glass. And 
I'm not a fan. Uh, if you are, that's cool. I mean, it, it does have a tradition going back a bit, but it's not my not my bag. Yeah, I'm not a big pomp and yeah. circumstance guy here. I, I don't I don't mind fruit in the beer. Like, I'm not a big you know I'm not a I don't love like a really sweet fruit beer, but I like a really well done. That's what you're starting to see a lot of breweries are some really good fruit beers. Yeah, like a like a Delirium Red or what do we have the Rubeus from, oh, uh, yeah, from the founders. founders? Yeah. That that I can really go with, but yeah. that over the top Americanized lambic style like your framboise so stuff sweet. like that. It just tastes like pure sugar. Yeah. That gets to be too much for me too. Yeah. I can't I can't handle like you know like a lot of the Goza style has been really taking off and that's where you're seeing a lot of breweries get into that as well. But having a good traditional half of ice like this perfect way and a perfect way to segue into our first commercial as we have uh, on the line we're going to bring on back after we come back from commercial brewmaster phil markowski as we continue cracking through some two roads brewing company we'll be back very soon here on the beer geeks yeah i know what you're thinking i'm sitting in a bar i'm all alone yeah and okay i'm a dog and i'm only three but you know what that's not all that important I'll show you what is. Hey, Rocco. Yes, Bruno. Don't give me the usual. I want to try something new. Try the Sansalone Lager. It's delicious. Oh, that's good. Next time you're out, don't order the same old beer. Break the habit. Try Anzalone Special Beer. Change your habits. Change your world. Anzalone Special Beer. Okay, P150TN, C250A, C250E, C250Q. Have you put off seeing the dentist because you can't afford to go? Are big dental bills taking a big toll on your wallet? Would you like to have dental insurance but think it's too expensive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company for a free information kit. See how you can help protect your teeth and your wallet for less than a dollar a day. 1-800-300-2244. This is real dental insurance that can help cover over 300 procedures. Everything from cleanings and fillings to crowns and dentures. Your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies, even if you're retired or on Medicare. You can see any dentist you choose, and you'll never pay a deductible. Call in the next 10 minutes, and we'll rush you a free information kit with all the details. 1-800-300-2244. That's 1-800-300-2244. 1-800-300-2244. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Sounds like somebody had too many already as they're getting into this. <laughs> so, all right, we are back. As I said, we were, we were talking Two Roads Brewing Company, and now we have with us on the line Brewmaster from Two Roads Brewing Company, Mr. Phil Markowski. Phil, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, doing great, thank you, and uh, thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for joining us. It's a uh, you know, holiday weekend. I know that always takes a little extra time to get down and doing things. But uh, we just cracked open a bottle. <clears throat> Sorry, we're having the, your Saison which is just a really wonderful take on it. I wanted to see, you know, doing this, you know, it's a traditional Saison, 4.8%. To you, you know, you have a strong background in these Belgian beers. We'll get into that. But what what are the keys to brewing, like, a good Saison? Because that's a style that really has kind of taken off onto its own, and a lot of brewers are tinkering with that a lot. But this is a really good traditional one. So what to you, what's the ingredients of doing a really good traditional Saison? Well, uh, choosing the right yeast is probably the the key thing. But you know, saison is a um, a style that people like uh, to think of everything being put into a neat little uh, box in terms of definition. You know, saison really kind of defies that um, to a large extent. I mean, there's so many different interpretations and so many uh, ways you could take it. 
um, that, you know, the result is that there's quite a an expanded definition, um, you know, primarily driven by U.S. craft brewers. But, you know, looking back to, to tradition in Belgium, um, what, what the Belgians often did was, you know, they would like to... Um, zig while others zag you know they'd go the opposite of uh or perhaps an opposite direction from a competitor's version of a particular beer and and the belgians are are exceptions in the brewing world of liking things to fit a, a certain definition and you know the germans being one example where they actually legislate certain aspects of um of a beer style um you know, the Belgians tend to like to differentiate themselves from a neighboring town's brewery, and really the emphasis uh, is on having something distinct from another and not fitting a neat definition. So it's really, it's not an easy thing to describe and try and um, pinpoint when you're talking about saisons, but there are a couple of, I think, unifying traits with Saisons, and and I think one is um, an intense fruitiness um, for one, and one is an an exceptional dryness. I think saisons tend to be um, rather dry, and that's a kind of um, you know common characteristic. Intensely fruity, um, and those are generally driven by the choice of yeast that a brewer uses. you know, they may or may not contain spices to just sort of add a uh, extra layer of complexity. Um, but, you know, really the yeast choice is a key thing, and the yeast tend to be highly attenuative, so they make a dry beer. And not always, but they tend to, to give um, distinctly, what I say, tropical fruit characteristics, as well as... Um, you know, spiciness. But going back to the tradition, the as you know, the legend has it that, that saisons were created primarily as a refresher for um, you know migrant farm workers. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of within that. And that's what's great with this is having that really light ABV. That's why I like with yours because a lot of breweries have taken the style and made it into you know eight nine percent ABV, which they're they're still good. But traditionally, going back to your saying, you know that this was a beer for the workers to be in the field, and you're not going to give a worker a nine percent beer, otherwise you're done with the day pretty much. <laughs> right, right. So it's you know goes back to an era when um, you know if you if you were outdoors, you kind of knew empirically that drinking beer was safer than drinking, you know, water from a stream or a pond where you didn't really know what this, you know, you could possibly get sick from that, but people knew that things like beer and whatever, coffee and tea, things that had been heated or fermented were safer to drink. So that's, that's what they did. And, you know, it's true of many beer styles that we know today. They were in the past made historically, you know, lower in alcohol that than what we're used to today because that's what people drank, you know, children even, you know, young, young adults drank really very weak beers because um, people knew they were, they were safe to drink if they didn't now, Phil, know is, their water source. Is your, you know, I mean, you wrote the book Farmhouse Ales, you were very passionate about a lot of Belgian beers. Did that come from, did you travel over there at an early age and that what got you into brewing and, and the beer in general? Um, I, you know, I did travel to, you know, England, Germany, Belgium, France, you know, the, sort of the, the, you know, the classic brewing countries and, and appreciated thing about, things about every uh, one of those countries and the, the beers they produced. Um, I, I guess, uh, you know, part of what motivated, motivated me to brew Belgian-style beers is um, having traveled over there, there were certain ones that I liked that couldn't be purchased here. So uh, as a home brewer at the time, and even as a professional brewer who's still home brewed on the side, um, I was in part motivated by the challenge to brew these beers, but also I just wanted to have them, and, and, and they were not readily available yeah. um, in the state. So, you know, it's twofold. It was, I was... I wanted to have these beers similar to these again, and um, you know, I, I enjoyed the challenge of, of 
producing them. So was there a, a specific like gateway beer that you remember having over there that just kind of really opened the floodgates, if you will, and into your, your palate and your mind onto what beer can be? Uh, I, I, you know, I'd be going way back, and this seems, uh, you know, like like nothing special now. But but actually, wit beers were, were an early um, eye opener for me. You know, that, again, that, never having one before in the states, going to Belgium and and trying one there. Um, you know, there's just something about it—the the light, refreshing, yet complex. Um, style that it represented and you know it was cloudy that was different at the time um you know that's that's one i think of and of course saison um being another triples um yeah you name it there's just a whole gamut of of beers that i've tasted over in europe that um again i i wonder how to make them and and attempt to reproduce them and that's kind of what led to it. I, you know, I've been typecast as kind of the as more um, adept at or appreciative of Belgian style beers, but I, I, I appreciate all sorts and still find lagers the most challenging. So um, now, your yeah. experience before at, at Two Roads, you were at Southampton. Like, what were some of the beers that you brought to the market while you were there that, that some people might be aware of? Uh, I mean, real early on, I did did a saison, um, and this was uh, you know mid '90s, and it was not widely known um, at that time. And I, you know, in Southampton, I did a beer um, with uh, Chardonnay grapes that was barrel aged, and you know that just seemed like a natural because that area has a lot of wineries. So it seemed like it was kind of an indigenous in- ingredient to that, that region that I, I had to, to use and I had access to barrels, winemaker friends, so I could get, you know, I, I get the fruit when it, when it was underripe, when it was more tart. And I, you know, I, I did a beer with wine grapes, which I wasn't aware of anyone doing at the time. Um, I you know I did some some sours early on uh, before long before they were widely known um, and you know it was stuff that was being done in Belgium for the most part mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't wasn't uh, that unusual See. Um, over there but it was over here and uh, another beer that I did at a couple things I did at Southampton that were not um, otherwise known that I can think of off the top of my head was uh, we did Cuvée de Fleur which is a uh, um, beer made with with uh, flowers and you know I thought why not use flowers hops are flowers but why not use other flowers that that have uh, interesting characteristics so it kind of um, you know these were somewhat original yeah you were doing a lot of Berliner stuff Weiss, which you know long before they were commonly done um, and it's great to see so many interpretations out there now. Yeah, you were doing a lot of this stuff ahead of the curve from the way it sounds. I mean, that, that's, you know, now a lot of breweries are just getting into that, but I mean, you were doing that back then. So, I mean, you transitioned into, you know, Two Roads opened in 2012, correct? Correct. So now, when, when that brewery started, did you see, uh, I mean, everyone involved in the brewery has a, a vastly different problem that really didn't come from the, the beer area, minus yourself being a brewmaster. Did you see the brewery going in a specific direction, like when you opened, what were like the core beers you were going for as you transitioned into Two Roads? Uh, we, we had, uh, and I, I should back up and, and correct you on a point. Now, there's, there's four of us who founded um, Two Roads, and... Um, you know, three of the four of us collectively at this point have, oh, uh, God, I'd say it, but but someone in the order of 70 years of collective experience in the beer in the beer industry. Um, you know, Brad Hiddle, who's CEO of of, um, of Two Roads, has 25 years, roughly, experience in beer marketing. Huh. You know, albeit for larger breweries, but. Um, no, it's still it's still yeah, beer I marketing. I definitely stand corrected. That's that's a big jump from none to that much. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, and then, then uh, Clem Polani, who's uh, our director of sales and marketing, is, um, you know, also has 20 plus years of marketing in, you know, beer and beverage industry. So, and, and the three of us met, you know, 22 years ago, roughly, and, and um, you know, 18 years ago, we first, you know, wrote up a business plan for what, you know, it was the genesis of Two Roads, but not, um, you know, it's a different different business model, but um, we'd been talking about this for, for quite a while, and, and, you know, Brad was chief marketing officer at um, Pabst, and the company was sold, and he didn't want to work for the new ownership, and he said, hey, uh, what about this, uh, you know, this brewery we've, we've been talking about? And so we started, you know, working on plans for two roads about four and a half years ago. And, you know, we had a couple of, of um, and I should also add that, that Brad, Clem, and I worked together when I was at Southampton. We had, um, you know, a, a marketing, sales and marketing agreement with Pabst to sell Southampton brands. So, you know, we kind of started working together again and, um, had had noticed uh, through the work at Southampton that there were um, a lack of facilities for craft-oriented contract brewing. That there weren't a lot of people uh, offering, you know, say medium-sized batches, if you will, you know, hundred barrel, two hundred barrel batches. Uh, the alternatives were were much larger, and they were antiquated breweries for the most part that didn't have the um, design to produce a wide range of different beers. So, you know, we, we decided that we wanted to open two roads to, to sell our own brands and also to um, produce other craft beers. So how much do you do, you do then uh, versus contract versus your own in the, in the brew house, like percentage-wise, if you have like a rough idea? Well, you know, about a third of our production right now is our, our brands. Um, the two roads brands and then we have you know 13 other oh, wow. um, breweries that we produce for um you know some of which were, were will be um you know long-term customers some of which will you know transition out and you know as our brands grow uh we you know obviously will if we lose any volume of our current customers, then you know we would replace that volume with our own brand. Yeah, that, that's surprising because you you have a very extensive you know, lineup of different beers. On top of that, like you know, a, what seems like a very large volume. Like, how many states are you guys currently distributed in? Uh, our own brands are sold in six states at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so statewide that, in Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts and Vermont, and then in. Um, Metro New York City and Albany and Metro Philadelphia. So, so those are our markets now, but we will be expanding uh, in, in a more contiguous fashion. You know, what we want to be is a regional brewery as opposed to a national brewery. And although it works for some brewers to cherry pick markets, you know, around the U.S., we really want to um, kind of follow the tried and true, you know, expand out radially radially from a home base rather than you know let's start selling beer in san francisco and let's start selling beer in you know dallas and instead of that kind of model i'm not being critical of that Mm -hmm. does work for some people we just want to have we want to be a regional northeast brewery and we also decided we wanted to brew uh, we want to build our facility once and you know one of the one of the requirements for two roads was that we wanted to resurrect a um you know a classic northeastern factory building uh unfortunately there's there's scores of them you know abandoned factories that you know kind of uh a symbol of a greater industrial, you know, economy here, manufacturing economy in the states that is, you know, that it's uh, not what it used to be. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we wanted to 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 resurrect one of these classic buildings and put our brewery in it. And you know, the building we found in Stratford, Connecticut, is is uh, you know we couldn't have asked for for a better site. You know, we still feel extremely lucky. 
that that we um, have found it, and it's uh, you know it's a beautiful 104 year old building at this point. Oh, wow. And uh, you know when we built two roads, we wanted to build it once. You know a lot of times craft brewers, uh, many times it's a classic story. Start out with one facility. You know the brands are successful, and then they have to find another facility. Oh yeah, we've had buy many, many of them on here. <laughs> you know, buy, you basically do it all over again, and we wanted to do it do it once, and um, you know, put a state of the art brewery in in a an antique uh, classic building, and stay there, you know, forever. Now, Phil, not, not have to to you know do it over and over again as we grew so did did you build the facility with um with uh, contract brewing in mind to kind of kind of hold you over till you get to the point where you can expand within your own brewery was that kind of part of the business plan uh it absolutely was again you know i mentioned my time with southampton where we're at contract brewing at other facilities we found that you know that there's realization that there wasn't anybody out there um who had a brewery that was geared toward craft production. Um, you know, there there are breweries in the the greater Northeast that that have taken on contract brewing as a means to survival and not as a you know as an integral part of a business plan. So, yeah, and a lot of these facilities were designed to produce one type of beer. You know, your kind of classic. Uh, you know, American lager beer, and they're not geared toward craft breweries. So, and I knew firsthand, you know, trying to produce a dry hopped uh, IPA and facilities like that was uh, largely an ex- exercise in frustration. And again, the facilities just weren't weren't built for craft beer. So, um, we knew there's a market for that sort of concept that there were craft brewers looking to produce their brands for whatever reason, whether their own facilities were were uh, maxed out, um, people who didn't have breweries who wanted to, you know, had viable brands. So this is the people we were seeking out. And it was absolutely a, an integral part of our business plan. Um, you know, you, you, you take over a 100,000 square foot building and um, put in, in our case, a 100 barrel brew house and state-of-the-art packaging machinery, and you got a lot of overheads. <laughs> you got to yeah. cover that, you know. And, it, and we knew our brand didn't exist. You know, we were starting from scratch with our own brands. So, absolutely, that was a part of the plan. For yeah, and that—that's extremely smart. We, we've seen a lot of breweries, uh, you know, try to get into that, and it, it kind of becomes a beast unto itself. Then they're playing the cup game of their own brand versus the other brands and then you know, have to play the financials of which one are you making more on and then it, sometimes we've seen it also ruin breweries as they get into that so I mean having that integrated from the beginning like you knew what you were getting into and also it's smart going the, the route of being you knowing you want to be a regional brewery because we've had some on uh, that you see that they're still kind of in that transition phase and we, we had Doug Odell from Odell Brewing on a while ago and, and that's what he saw Odell as no matter how large they get like they want to be a regional brewery and having that in mind really helps you map out like where you want to go with the brewery and you know we're really happy you guys are in in philadelphia and hopefully you're going to keep spreading out through pennsylvania because we we all love the brewery love the beers where we're going to continue drinking on but unfortunately we're up against the break so we're going to have to to cut the interview phil but i I really appreciate you giving us a call on holiday weekend i know it's not easy to find time for that and thank you for talking about the beers and talking about the brewery and you guys are doing a phenomenal job and love to get you on again one more time when we have uh, some more time to be able to crack through some of these things Okay, that sounds great. I appreciate you having me, and um, thanks again for the opportunity. Not a problem. Thank you, Phil. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, sir. Cheers. All right. Cheers. You guys. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks a lot. All right. So that was Mr. Phil Markowski from Two Roads Brewing. Their uh, brewmaster, really, really full of knowledge. That guy knows so much stuff and knows what's going on. Uh, like I said, like he wrote the book Farmhouse Sales. I mean, you're looking for a brewery that knows how to brew a really good saison and brew. I mean, like that's. That's the brewery you go to. And they have, I mean, we have so much beer to crack through. Like right now, you know, before we get the break, I will mention this. We, we started having some of the Little Heaven, their session IPA, you know, a style that a lot of breweries are getting into. We've talked about it numerous times on here before. Uh, but this is a really 4.8%. I, I love this. 
Honestly, as soon as I had a sip of this, it, it kind of really jumped up there. It was on my favorite session IPAs because you get a lot of great flavors in this thing. Yeah, for what it is, it's absolutely delicious. I mean, uh, from every beer we've had from them, they, they're unique, but at the yeah. same time, I don't want to keep saying crushable or chuggable, whatever you want to say. They're very, very drinkable and yeah. super clean. Like, you, I don't want to say no flaws because... You know, whatever, but yeah, <laughs> we got to leave, leave room to be no critical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this has a lot of great hop aroma. You get some tropical fruit, some grapefruit, but it has a good mouthfeel. A really it's nice not, dryness to yeah, it, too. Yeah, it, it's really got everything. It's 4.8%. If someone didn't tell you it was a session IPA, you would have absolutely no idea. Yeah. If you just gave it to someone and said, here's a new IPA, try it. No clue this is a session. You would not jump to that. It doesn't taste like hop water. No. We talked about that on here. Not at all. But uh, we're up against the breaks, so and we come back. we got three more beers to work through, uh, some really phenomenal ones. We're working our way up. So keep, uh, keep tuning in as we keep working our way through Two Roads Brewing Company, and we will be right back here on The Beer Geeks. Trying to find a beer you truly enjoy is becoming a rather daunting task. Everywhere you turn, another beer, another company, another slogan, another gimmick. Here at Anzalone Special Beer, we decided our gimmick was going to be, well, good taste. Perhaps not the most creative of gimmicks, of course, but certainly the most flavorful. Anzalone Special Beer. Good taste is our gimmick. Anzalone. This message is for home intruders. The cowards who break into people's homes to steal their hard-earned property. Criminals who shatter lives and rob people of their privacy and security. Listen very carefully. We're the home security experts at LiveWatch, and we're taking you down. Because we're letting everyone try our newest home security system for one full year in their home. To take advantage of this amazing offer, call now, 1-800-494-6955. LiveWatch has been helping protect homes for years, and we've learned the secrets that intruders like you don't want people to know. Criminals, it's time for you to be afraid, because every person who calls will be protected against cowards like you. To the criminals listening, we're taking you down. To those who want to help protect their homes, call the security experts to try the LiveWatch security system. There are no long-term contracts, and if you're not completely satisfied, you can cancel at any time. Try LiveWatch now by calling 1-800-494-6955. That's 1-800-494-6955. I'm working two jobs, and my husband works too. My kids go to school with your kids. I sit next to you at PTA meetings. We live right next door. We've been neighbors for years. You know my family and me pretty well, but here's one thing you don't know. I'm one out of every six Americans, and my family is struggling with hunger. Like you, we believe in this country. What's hard to believe is in the land of milk and honey, how many hardworking Americans have to choose between paying bills and feeding their families. This is a problem with a solution. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. At some of the best times, you'll never I'm not a fan of country, yeah, I'm just going to say We apologize it. <laughs> for that egregious musical offense, everybody. I'm sorry, I'm just not a country fan. But uh, we have just now cracked open a bottle of Road to Ruin. This is their double IPA, super fresh, bottled 622. So we are getting the freshest double IPA out there. Really huge hop characteristic. They have a lot of different hops going on in this. They have Summit, Palisade, Cascade, Magnum. So, I mean, you've got a lot of great flavors coming through. Some pine, citrus, floor. I mean, it's a veritable hop bouquet within this, but it's still dry, super easy drinking, 8%. It's just, this is... A beautiful sweet malt there yeah. too. Like it's it's extremely well balanced. It's not like leaning hop forward craziness. No. You get a you get a ton of hop in the aroma and the hop comes through across the palate first, but it still has a great backbone to support everything and give you that dry finish that you want. They really make you going back for more because when you have that dry finish, it's not lingering bitterness. Like this is actually one of those double IPAs. 
you know, someone can maybe get into without having a huge IPA background because there is a lot of hop, but it doesn't come across as super bitter. It comes across more as like really flavorful. Yeah, we came from their their Little Heaven, which is their session IPA to to this one. Their double. There's not a big br- gap between yeah. those and in flavor pro- pro- profile. Sorry, you can <laughs> definitely taste the difference, but it's not like jarring. And I think that's a testament to how they make Ed, it. Ed, what do you think? Even quiet. Uh, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't tell me this was a double IPA, I would think it was more of a, a West Coast. It's, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's so much of a, a double as, uh, as it would be like a West Coast. I think it's, you know. <laughs> as, in hot, as in hot profile? Yeah, or yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it still, it comes across as like a bigger IPA. Like I would not think of this being just a, a standard, but I mean, it is definitely leaning more towards a West Coast feel to it because you have those pine. The one thing it doesn't have that I don't like in West Coast IPAs is that cat pee aroma and smell. It's on the, <laughs> I, I am not a fan yeah, of I that I understand one. that. Oh, God. And it's funny because like I know some people in California and they love that. I'm like, <laughs> what? I have a litter box if you want to come over. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. I'll, you know, it's free. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I just I don't I don't get that. I mean, like some of those hops have that, and I just don't understand that the Simcoe hop is the one that's guilty of that more than anything. Is that really strong cat pee aroma that a lot of West Coast beers have? And whenever I have them, I'm so sensitive to that. I'm just like, why do people want this? Nah. And it's funny because on the East Coast, you hear you talk to all the brewers, and they're like, God no! If I even get a hint of that in there, it, it's not happening, and I'm not touching it, and I do not want it. And it is it is basically like introducing some kind of bacteria to the brew house. They don't even <laughs> want to touch it. Like, no, get it out of here. And I'm not interested. And that's, I, I enjoy it being more of like a, an East Coast take on a West Coast style. Like the, to me, like that is a really good, I always call that the like the Midwestern beer. The Midwestern IPA was kind of, it's got touches of both without leaning too much in either one. Because East Coast, sometimes they can get a little overly sweet. West Coast can kind of get those really overly dank, dank not yeah. enjoyable because they want to, uh, don't beat the crap out of you with hops. Like they're the ones that we had Garrett Oliver and Garrett was talking about. Like these are challenging beers that they they dare you to drink it because it's so hoppy and it's like, well, you know, you can only take so much of that. Like you want something that's easy drinking. Like this is super easy drinking, but you have all those hop notes in it, and that's what I like out of a good double IPA is that I could have two of these and not be like, oh my god, well, I'm gonna, I can't take any more of this. Like, <laughs> like you can have a couple of these and going back, and it and still has this really wonderful creamy body to it, but it's not everything is perfectly in balance and that's what i love is to have a good uh, double ipa that has all these things but perfectly balanced and that's what i really look for in these kind of things yeah i'm, I'm probably um a bit opposite of you and then i'm that super juicy person i like that new school hop that crazy tropical fruit sweetness i'm not a huge pine forward person but this appeals to me uh. as does that <laughs> pop of that bottle baby yeah we're cracking open another one now this is a really interesting one. Now, this is their... I, I'm I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it right because uh, I'm not good with very many other languages other than a, a spot full of German and a couple swear words in Spanish, but uh, <laughs> I believe this is a Road to Rouen. Now, this is their double IPA, but with a Belgian yeast strain. I would say there's a little bit of a Belgian yeast oh, strain. Oh, wow, God, yeah. On. Yeah, you just poured. We got a huge, <laughs> huge head coming on that one. But uh, now th- this is just basically taking that same double IPA, but introducing like, the Belgian yeast to it. And as we, you know, Phil has showcased, like he really understands a lot of Belgian beers, literally wrote the book on it. So he has a very extensive knowledge of all these things. And I, I like, it's it's a tough uh, style to play on sometimes for me, like the Belgian IPA, because you can get two contrasting flavors coming through. And sometimes the hops don't play as well with that Belgian yeast and can kind of create this off-putting taste unless you really understand, you know, the flavor profiles that you're playing with both. And like to have that, and this is a little more beefed up. It's 8.3 as opposed to the the standard 8.0. That's delicious. <laughs> like I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm a huge, I'm, uh, my roots are in Belgian beers. That's kind of where, what gets me hot and bothered. And that yeast profile in this is that spiciness, yeah. Um, that yeah, beautiful fruit. Um, it gets like it's, a heat, but it's not alcohol heat. No, it's it like it's like a spice. coriander kind of peppery heat um, from from the yeast, I think. And then that um, oh, I just I'm chugging. Yeah, this is this. like a really really drinkable, and I, I like that because I like the play on it. It's just it's tough when it's not done right because those flavors can kind of play off one another in a, in a not. It's just it's a great idea, but if you don't pull it off right, it's very off. Easy to get wrong, but when you get yeah. it right. It's, it's a yeah. beautiful thing. 
What are you thinking, Ed? Because this is uh, combining two different things of yours. Um, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's the beautiful thing about beer. Yeah, Everybody exactly. likes different. Yeah, I, I just got a, uh, my first taste of it, so I wrote a little... But uh, yeah, I could I could taste it's like a got a little bit of Belgian style to it. Yeah, it's definitely um, it, it's one that you know because you see like Oma Gang has like a Belgian pale ale. There's a lot of breweries that have a Belgian pale ale, but they're decidedly more Belgian than you know an American beer with Belgian yeast. This is an American beer with Belgian yeast. Like you get that coming through. There's a, there's you definitely get a profile of Belgian beer, but it's not overly Belgian like some of the other breweries that are doing it that are more. Traditionally, a Belgian style, like you know, like an Allagash or these breweries that do Belgian style beers and introduce in a hoppier, like they have that Hugh Malone Allagash. That's like a really a hoppier. Did beer. you say this was barrel aged or no? I, I don't think that one's barrel aged. No. Now that this is just their their road to ruin with the Belgian yeast threw into it, and so I mean they, that's how it comes across more. Like this is definitely an American based double IPA with Belgian yeast adding a different flavor profile. So it's not overly Belgian. Um, but it's super approachable. I mean, it's definitely one that if you are a Belgian beer fan, you would definitely get a lot out of it. Um, but it's not, you're not coming at it from that. We're going to make a Belgian beer and hop the crap out of it. That, that's the difference with this. Like, this is an American beer that was hopped with Belgian yeast, giving that play, flavor profile instead of a Belgian beer that was hopped a lot. Yeah, I mean, Belgian Belgian uh, um, pale ales, typically people think pale ale off the top of their uh, brain, they're going to think hop profile, but all Belgian beers are, are yeast-driven, they're yeah. malt-driven, they're not hop-driven, so when you see that combination of the two, which seems to be a theme with Two Roads, that old school, embracing old school while embracing new school, to take those two worlds and meld them together is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, and as, as Phil said, we were talking about the workers' comp saison, like that, the saison style, like that more than any other one is predominantly that taste that you're getting is the, the yeast. Like, that's what drives that style. That's what drives a lot of these Belgian beers because they are released, uh, reused, I mean, over and over again. So you're really kind of getting those flavors of the Belgian driven home because they're propagating that yeast over and over. So it's just continually beefing that flavor profile up. So when you have that in there, it's going to come through no matter what, and you have to be understanding of what flavors that yeast is bringing and putting something with it that's going to complement it and not contradict it. And that's the difficulty because sometimes people say, oh, I want to brew a Belgian pale ale, a Belgian IPA, whatever, but they don't take into consideration like what hops they're using with that yeast, and they just think, oh, I like an IPA that uses these hops. I'm going to make one with that and then just throw a Belgian yeast. Yeah. No, that's not how no, it's going to work. No. Just because it's like a good IPA doesn't mean it's going to be a good IPA with Belgian yeast. Like you have to understand those two roles of the, of the beer. And that's, I mean, you're just talking about balance. You're talking about knowing what works with what and bringing flavors together um, properly, you know, and that's a lot of, a lot of people don't know how to do that professionally and amateurly or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah. Oh, uh, we're, we're uh -oh. cracking open our, uh -oh. our trial and error. Yeah. Oh, trial oh error. yeah. Oh yeah. That's, and what's it's great is like when you have someone like Phil who has this really knowledgeable background in Belgian beers, like you can have someone play with these things a lot and then really get something out of it. So we're cracking open our final bottle. This is a special one that they sent down for the show. This is the uh, Igor's Dream. It's a Russian Imperial Stout, and this is 2014. So we got a little bit of age on this, and uh, I always feel like Barbara Walters when I say this, but this is a rye whiskey barrel-aged Russian Imperial Stout. I feel like if I don't slow down, I'm going to say, why whiskey? <laughs> but uh, no, 10.9%, got some age on it. I mean, that's what you want to have when you get these these bigger beers. They're always good. You know, try it fresh, um, but they're really good to sit on for a little while and just let that beer go where it's going to go. But they had a couple variations on this one. They have a standard, uh, but this is one they actually aged in rye whiskey barrels in 2014. And uh, you know, nice ten point nine percent big boy to end the show. Danger, Will Robinson. That this beer, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This drink's so easy, it's yeah. not even funny. It's so smooth. It's yeah. unbelievably smooth. You get that nice rye in there, a little bit of hop profile in the back, just enough to kind of just let you know it's there. And uh, oh, gee, yeah, yeah. It's almost like sticky. Like in a, good, in a like good way, baby. Brown sugar, molasses. <laughs> I almost get like a hints of like berries, kind of like dark berries. Dark, I mean, that's the be, be, I love Russian Imperial Stouts. One of my favorite styles. This tastes like a more an Americanized version of it. Again, like you have like two um, fields with Russian Imperials. They're either non hop forward or hop forward, like mm -hmm. an old Rasputin, something like that. I think that was a more American style. But since it was barrel aged and rye whiskey, 
it kind of bl- pushed that hot profile down and just makes it absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and then putting a little uh, age on this. I think this was bottled. What does it say on there, Ed? Was it 12? I think it was December of 2013 it was bottled. Is that what it says on there? So we're like Correct. A, yeah, we're about a Correct. year, we're almost a year and a half into it. So I mean, we got some nice bottle age on that yeah. one. So nice, it's got a little bit there. Nice oak there you can get. Yeah, um, absolutely. I'm getting a lot of burnt coffee. Yeah, that, that's another one, and you know, that's another flavor too. That some people that, that don't. Uh, I've been around people doing tastings and stuff. I talk to them, and they're like, you know, I don't like coffee, and some. But it's funny because some stouts like will come across as that. It just really depends on your background and your flavor profile and what you're. You know, uh, sensitive to yeah, because some of those flavors aren't going to come through. Like I, I get a little bit of coffee. I don't get like the burnt coffee. I kind of get more of like the sweeter variations on this with a little bit of heat on the back end. But I get kind of more of like the sweetness, like a little bit of creaminess, a little bit of almost vanilla with some dark red fruit, some molasses. Just like a really good Russian imperial style, like what you want out of. And this is like one of the best styles to have a beer that's aged, but. You know, don't go too, too crazy with this one. This is a style that you should age a little bit, but don't hang on to it for too long. Because as we had uh, Patrick Dawson on talking about vintage beer, his book about aging things. That's a <laughs> yeah, little gas out there. That's a, This is a style that you can age, but really once you get to the five to seven year range on a lot of these, that's the sweet spot of like, then they're going to sort of drop out and you're going to get cardboard and it's going to really spoil. So this kind is kind of like the thousand B- IBUs. No, the thing with the beer, I think a lot of people, um, misnomers, there's a lot of barrel age stuff out there and, and people love the age barrel age stuff. Um, it's akin to, and this is what I usually tell people, um, age forever, long haul, you're talking five to 10 years plus a uh, bottle condition beers. Once you start barrel aging stuff, there's so many more moving parts going on yeah. with the barrel aging and there's organisms and whatnot, they can still be aged, but you're talking, you don't want to go too long with them because yeah. they can go sideways And always, always, I always tell people this too, if you're going to get something to age it, try it fresh before so you always. know, because yeah. you, you want to know what the brewer is intending, like yeah. what that, because like that's ultimately what it is, unless it says, you know, there's like some bottles that'll come out that'll say best after, yeah. and they'll tell you to wait at least a year, but most of the time, like try it fresh just to see, yeah. all right, this is this is what's here. Let me see where it goes from yeah. there. Like you need a benchmark. Don't just say, yeah. oh, I got this. I never had it before, but I'm going to age it for five years. I don't you get have, that. You have no idea what's going on. Like <laughs> yeah. you just try it, see where it's at, and then have a benchmark. If you want to save up like five years, buy you know, buy two bottles of something every year, if that's what your intention is. Two try one time. fresh and sit on it. No arc your beers, baby. Yeah, Two it, you, you can't <laughs> you can't just like buy everything and just sit on it. Like, you got to let something go there, and that, that's what's nice with this. Like I like I like when a brewery can send something that's aged just to see what they're doing with stuff and see how it is. Because some of these beers, as you get into aging, you don't know where they're gonna go. A lot of times, like the, the brewer will try keeping that in mind, but you don't know where it's gonna go. And it's just nice when they have it at the brewery because it's brewery controlled, and uh, that's gonna do it for us this week. We we are. Oh, out of time. Yeah, yeah this was this was a fun one to get through. Yeah. But uh, next week is going to be a blast. Like I'm really looking forward to next week. We have 21st Amendment back on, and Sully is coming back. And Sully was a great guest last time, and this time we have even more to talk to him about because the new brewery is opened, and uh, he's going to be begging for your credit card numbers to come help bail him <laughs> out of his debt that he's got himself into. And uh, they have a lot of cool things going on. we got some great beers coming from them. And Sully's always a good time to talk to because he's just a solid guy, uh, really passionate about this industry, and just really knowledgeable, but down to earth. His name's Sully. How yeah. could you hate somebody named Sully unless you're <laughs> a Yankee fan? Exactly. <laughs> but there, there's a lot. I mean, you know, come back next week. We've got a lot more to talk about. And uh, I think that's really going to do it for us this week. And thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend and go USA. America. Throw that in there. Yes. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Cheers.